0: What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I'm on vacation this week, but I wanted to get a show out for you today, so you're welcome. Coming up on today's episode, I'll give you my official prediction for Saturday's main event between Giga and Cater. I'll also talk about rumors surrounding Jake Paul's next fight and Hazmet Chevaev's next fight, but let's first begin with some news that came out this week. Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy. Now, I can't go any further than to tell you, and I quote, it's in the works. But where there's smoke, there's fire in this business, right? And there's a lot on that fight. First off, when it comes to Misha, nobody has ever returned to the sport, and ever, ever could be a big claim by me. Nobody has returned to the sport in the last three years with a bigger splash than Misha. I did not know what a big deal Misha Tate was to you guys until she returned. I mean, she's capturing headlines. Now she's headlining events. Sponsors are coming out of the woodwork. Media is coming out of the woodwork. She puts a complete wrinkle in the entire division. I never loved the idea of Misha versus Amanda. I knew that's where Misha wanted to be. I fully support it. I didn't love the idea. I just didn't need to see them fight again. I got to see those ladies compete once. It was two different eras. The champions came together. Off you go. I could be sold on it, but I would have to be sold. It would take some marketing, take some interviews, take a few highlight tapes, some training, some rumors coming. It would need some work for me. However, stay with me, guys. Lauren Murphy is a 125 pounder. Misha Tate is about to go down to 125 pounds. That is game-changing. And I want Misha to come out and tell the story as to why. It's her story to tell. But she hasn't told it thus far. We just get this. Misha mentioned something a few days ago. I might go down to 125. I saw that. I didn't even talk to you guys about it. In one year, out the other one. Yeah, me too. Might go down. Can't do an interview on mites. All of a sudden, what a difference a day makes. She's now signed to take on the former number one contender at 125 pounds, which fast tracks her, not to mention puts her in the weight class. What does Misha look like at 125? Misha's never had a conditioning issue. But Misha would agree with me, you can never be in too good a shape, right? It's like having too much money. It's like being too strong. There's no such thing. And Misha Tate down at 125, there's going to be a byproduct in that. First off, the opponents are going to be faster. It is not always a great thing to go down in weight. I would always prefer that Misha went to 145 where she, just by raising her hand, becomes the number one contender. But she wants to go down to 125 and there is some byproducts, right? That's a lifestyle change. You were talking about around the clock nutrition and calories into calories out, which you're going to get by doing cardio style activities. She's going to spend more time on the Aerodyne. She's going to put more miles on the road. A byproduct of making 125 pounds is Misha Tate, who's never had condition issues in the first place, is now going to be in better shape. That's exciting. That's a very exciting thing. And when I talk about the opponents are going to be faster, I'm right about that, but Misha is going to be faster. It's a totally different animal. It, it, it's a wildly interesting. And why talk about the story as to why Misha's going down? Misha's going down because Jules is a girl. Misha would have stayed right there at 135 pounds. She would have gone right after Amanda. She'd have looked that boogie monster right in the eye. It's exactly what her plan was. It's the whole reason she came back in the first place. But now that Jules, her teammate, somebody she cares about and considers a sister, is at the top, she sees there's no room for her. I don't want to go after Juliana, which means I can't be champion, which means I need to make a change. That's honorable. I respect the hell out of that, which is why I'm saying I hope that Misha comes out and tells that story because people are going to be endeared to it. People always want to talk about friends, but they don't ever, when it's time to do friends stuff, they don't actually do it. Daniel Cormier, one of the great stories. He was a training partner and friend of Cain Velasquez. Daniel was a heavyweight. Cain got there first. Daniel was over in Strike Force. Daniel comes to the UFC. He's making his run through it. Nobody's winning. Nobody's not even beating a Daniel in fights. Nobody won a round against Daniel Cormier. And Daniel said, I'm on a collision course for Kane, who's my guy. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put anybody in a weird spot. Not me, not Kane, not the promotion. I'm out of here. And went down to 205 pounds. That was very difficult for Daniel to do. You guys have all heard the Olympic story of Daniel Cormier not making weight at the Olympics. Now, I know that you've heard that. That is not true. That is not true, but that's the way the story is told. So without correcting that story, I'll just remind you, that was at 213 pounds, and the year was 2008. So Daniel had a hard time making 213 but he's now got to be 8 pounds less 10 years later. Very hard to do. It was a real commitment. But Daniel was loyal. He didn't want to put anybody in a weird spot, so he just removed himself from the spot. Misha's doing the same thing. I just wanted to get credit for it. It's just a cool move. It's a, it's a very kind heart. It's a very sweet move. But now the blueprint and the trajectory for Misha returning to a title fight just got crystal clear. Go beat Lauren Murphy. How's that for clear? A world champion of Misha Tate coming down to take on the number one contender at 125 pounds. That's the match for Misha. Do that. We got Misha in the Bullet, and you got big problems if you're a Bullet fan. You do. I think that the Bullet is the best fighter in the world. She will never get the nod over Amanda because they met head-to-head. I'm just telling you, if you could have one of their skills, just the skills, just the move, just the techniques, it's the Bullet. And that statement was true about two years ago. The Bullet is better now than she was two years ago. The Bullet of two years ago, as great as she was, if she faced herself today, it would not go the distance. And I'm telling you, even with that respect in my mouth for the Bullet, that match is a problem. Misha Tate on top, Misha Tate with the wrestling, Misha Tate's ability to slip punches, get inside and create some other kind of action. It's a problem for anyone. There's nobody that should be more happy about this than the bullet because the bullet's cleaning out that division, not to mention meaningful opponents, not to mention something to look forward to. When's the last time you were able to look forward to an opponent or even a potential opponent for the bullet? It's been years, guys. There was nothing to look forward to. It's just, okay, who's next? The bullet's got a contract. We got to keep her at work. Who wants to do it? All right, you've won a couple here. Come on in. It was one of those things. We knew exactly what we were going to get. That is so hard to stay motivated when you're in that spot, but we know for sure, (coughs) excuse me, that the bullet did stay motivated because she got better. The bullet heard what you said about her. She read what you wrote about her. She just didn't believe it. Very honorable. Honorable. And if you're the bullet for the first time in years, you wake up today and you go to the gym motivated. You go to the gym with that little touch of fear that you haven't felt in five years now inside of your stomach. How am I going to deal with Misha? I have planned for everybody. I have broken down the tape. I have broken down and come up with strategies for absolutely everybody within this division. Misha wasn't in this division yesterday. I haven't planned for that. It's just different. Everybody here wins. Now, Lauren Murphy, that's a tough night out. I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but I have been stunned at the warm reception that Misha has gained. I do want Misha to get credit for the reason that she's going down to 125, because that's a very sweet thing, the the same as Daniel did. And Misha's going to be very different. Historically speaking, when somebody goes up, very good things happen. When somebody goes down, that speed ends up being a deficiency, and then it gets blamed on the weight cut. Every single time, oh, we cut too much weight. On a 24-hour weigh-in, there is no such thing. There's no amount of weight that you could cut that's too much when you have 24 hours before you have to get in the ring. College wrestling, you're on the mat one hour later, that's a problem. In a tournament, you're on the mat two hours later, that's a problem. You are not going to rehydrate and recover and refuel. Won't happen. 24 hours, no problem at all. And I only digress onto that topic just to fix one of the the, the many things that is wrong with the narrative within the sport. But it's never the weight cut, not in a 24-hour situation. In a 24-hour situation, it's just when the first fight goes off. You usually have closer to 30 hours. And we're splitting hairs here at this point because anything over 10, it's all cool in the gang. Misha's going to be faster. Misha's going to be in better shape. Misha's one win away from being a number one contender. For a girl that was on the shelf, retired, with nothing but her memories and accolades, two years ago, that is a remarkable turnaround. Well, speaking of popular fighters like Nisha Tate, Hazmat Shemaev is another guy that get all of you excited when he steps in the cage. I told you on Wednesday about rumors between Hazmat Shemaev and Gilbert Burns, but I want to give you the latest. Same song, different verse. A little bit louder and a little bit worse. You guys recognize that? Do you recognize that? Shoney Carter said that about 20 years ago in an interview. I think he was doing a rematch. And he said, same song, different verse, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. Now, Shoney might have stolen that from somebody else. But I'm stealing it from Shoney. Why? Because, Hazmat Chimaev, I'm a broken record over here, guys, but we don't have any new information. I mean, How long have we been on this? Two months? Two months of what's next for Chimaev, but it doesn't end there. What's next for any of the 556 athletes under contract who don't have matches is a fair question. It's more interesting, though, for Chimaev. Chemayev has our interest. Moreover, what is the delay? If I could know one of the two, if I could either know what's next for Chemayev and have that piece of inside information, or if I could secretly know what is the delay, I would choose the latter. I want to know what the holdup is. The Hazmat-Chamayev experiment is one of the great marketing in the history of sport. Are you ready for that statement? I would challenge you to tell me a marketing plan that worked better, more unintentionally. There was never a plan to make this guy a star. This guy gets brought over to Fight Island, he's jerking the curtain. Two days later he gets a call that three days after that, he's going to be on the scale and a total of six days after that, he's going to be back in the ring at a different weight class. There was no plan. There was no options. He was a body that was there and was willing two fights, two victories, both inside of the first five minutes. Neither opponent put a hand on him, two different weight classes. And more interesting than that, I want you guys to remember this, his first fight as UFC debut was at 185 pounds, which means with no preparation and having no idea that this opportunity was going to even be there, he went down a weight class. That is a badass move and possibly the greatest part of the Chemayev story. And people always forget that. They always forget that he debuted at 185. He returned to the scale six days later, to the cage seven days later. Down a weight class. Look, if I'm over in Fight Island, I am on vacation. The moment that fight is done whatever room service, I don't go out very much, I like to be in my room, but I will have everything on that room service menu at some point, particularly if I just got done with a fight. He probably did the same thing. He probably filled one of those coconuts we see him having on Instagram and got the straw and is out down by the pool. He was not planning to compete again, yet he did compete again. Oh, by the way, he went down 15 pounds. It is the most interesting thing of the whole story. He comes back, he goes back to 85, he comes back again, he goes back to 170. And now all of a sudden he's delayed. And I always have to give you that reminder, but that's the only reason that this is so interesting. 556 guys are under contract. 450 of those guys don't have their next fight. But we don't say what's next for John. We don't say what's next for Jane. We say what's next for Chimaev, And I just want to know what the delay is because when Neil Magney inserted himself, that did stop the narrative in its tracks that nobody wanted to fight Chimaev. You can no longer say that, or you would be calling Neil nobody. And Neil Magny is most certainly not a nobody, but then Blahal uses his platform. He takes that same shot. Jeff Neal at some point spoke up. I can't remember what Jeff said or did, but Jeff did speak up, and then he had the big win over Ponzaniba. He's got the platform. He said the same thing. So now we've got some viable options. But we still don't have a fight. It appears that Gilbert Burns is gaining some traction. But guys, you're the ones that did that. Whether it was Blahal, whether it was Magny, whether it was Jeff Neal, they did the same thing that Gilbert did, which is they went to social media and they said, yes, I'll do the fight. Gilbert has done absolutely nothing different, but for some reason, you guys have decided that that's the one. You guys might be right. I'm just reminding you that when you hear this piece and think, Chael, you're a little bit late. Those two are going to fight in April. That's not true. At least that's not set. Those two went to social media and told us all, and they they agreed that it's going to be in April. That's not how this works. And if it is Gilbert, by the way, there is one thing we are going to have to revise. The only clue that we have been given by the only opinion who matters, DW said, Chemayev is four fights away from fighting for a title. We're well aware that four is not four. If he goes and has four, he doesn't have a guarantee if he looks good. Two's close to four. But six is close to four, right? I mean, what side of that are we going to be on? I did not ever look at that as four matches. When I heard Dana say that, my mind went right to, okay, he's talking about 15 months. He's talking about a year and a little bit more. That's what he's talking about. Not the actual number of contests. That doesn't mean I'm right. That is my interpretation he just thought he needed a little bit more time, not necessarily the experiences. Now, even if I'm lost in translation, if you go in there and you beat Gilbert Burns, what's the difference of fighting for a title? Why wouldn't you? It's the same thing when Colby's name got thrown out there. We we cannot adhere to this 15-month business or four-fight business if somebody gets the jump on Covington. If anybody was to beat Colby, we all quickly will stand back and go, there's your number one contender. The only thing that Colby and Kamara proved to us for sure in that last title fight is we got the right two guys. The toughest two human beings alive that can tip a scale at 170 pounds are in the cage at MSG. That's what we really found out. We all agree on that? So my only point being, if you beat Colby, there is no another fight and another fight and another fight. You're the guy. But I think that you can make that same argument for Gilbert Burns. Why would Chamayev have to go run through the roster that Gilbert Burns has already ran through? How many top guys do you want Chamayev to have to fight? Because if he beat Burns, who already beat him right, I mean this is the way the game is played. Anything that you have is on the table, anything. You got a world championship, it's up for grabs, that's how combat works. You got great placement on the card. somebody gets to jump on you, they now have great placement on the guard. You got a big fan base, you go beat somebody, the fans come with you. I mean, everything is on the line. So I only bring that to you because I'm very light on the Burns idea. I love the fight. I would love to see it. I'm very light on that idea for the reason that I just stated, which is the only clue that we've been giving up uh, for Chamayev is he's about 15 months or four contests, however you want to hear that. Away from being in there with whoever the champion would be at that time. In this case, Kamar Usman. I don't think you can go out there and beat Burns. And all of a sudden, you got to beat three other guys. I'm also armed with, and I must disclose for the fourth time in this whole rant, I don't know. There is something we are missing. I want to know. I'm very curious. What the holdup is. Is it a specific opponent? Is there somebody specifically that the UFC wants to see Chimaev in there with. Who would that be and why? Like, what would it matter? Who the guy is. I mean, once you, if, we're just get, if we're fighting ranked guys, it has got to be somebody within the top 10. In fairness, can we put their, all their names in the hat and just pull one out? Why would there be somebody specific? And I don't have any evidence to put me in that direction other than there is some kind of a delay. That phenomenon, I'm right about. A blind man could st- stand back and see... That there's something amiss. I'm not willing to sign off on this Burns business. I know that you guys already have. I'm not willing to do that. I know a couple of reporters have even put their name on that. I don't think they have inside information. I think they talked to Gilbert. Hey, you want to do this? I think that they talked to Shmaev. Do you want to do this? But you didn't have to ask either. They posted the damn thing out there on social media for us all to see. We know where their minds are at. But Gilbert's position is no stronger and no different than Neil's, than Blahal's than Magnes, right? So what is going on with Chimaev? I would rather know that than know who he has next. I would. I would want to know what is the delay, what are the chips, where are the negotiation, where are we at on this? And where are you going to put Chimaev is also very relevant. This guy is a main event fighter. He is a huge draw. He cannot main event a pay-per-view pay-per-views are main-evented in title fights. He's not going to be in one. So you take a guy who you know for sure is a marquee pay-per-view draw and you put him on free TV. Get him that exposure, but at least now you have your main event. Those are great problems to have. There will be no conspiracy there, but there's a lot of things you're juggling with this guy. Where in the world are you going to fight him? We love him here In the States, he's loved more in the part of the world where Fight Island is. Again, good problem to have, and it might sound small for you, but there's a few things that need to be considered when you have a guy like this, because these phenomenons come and they go. And as long as that can be nice, bright, and shiny, you want to measure that just correctly. And is a part of the equation a specific opponent? If so, who would it be and why hasn't it been named? That is not in line with the way the UFC generally will do a fight. They will put that idea out there. They'll see how it sits with you guys. They'll see how it sits with the opponents. Everything's great. 90% of the time it is. Off you go. A few percent of the time you got to make a tweak. It's been very quiet on Chamaev. Chamaev hasn't been quiet, but The idea of who he's going to fight next and why the delay. Guys, as Shoney Carter said, different song, different verse. A little bit louder and a little bit worse. Another one of the guys I talk about is, of course, everyone's favorite boxer, Jake Paul. He's now setting his sights on a different opponent, and I want to give you my thoughts about it. Jake Paul looks to be turning his attention to Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. The number one thing that Jake Paul needs to continue to do is tell the truth. As long as he keeps telling the truth, he's keeping his haters at bay. And they don't want to stay at bay. They're dogs. They want to be let off the chain. They're looking to come. They're staring at him. They're watching him, even the ones that pretended to be his friends and wanted him to sign a bout agreement to fight Will Fury just so the very next day they could come in and bury that fight. He keeps them at bay when he tells the truth. Look, Jake Paul has now called out Cesar Chavez. We'll see where in the hell that goes. But it's the first name that's been inserted that is realistic, that is possible, and that fits the criteria of the number one thing that Jake is looking to do right now, which is to stop everybody from saying he hasn't fought a boxer. I like the idea that he called out Chavez, I like that fight, I fully understand it, and Chavez is coming off a loss. Nobody in Jake's spot... A main event, a star, whether you guys like it or not, a star calls out a guy who's coming off a loss. Why did Jake do it? Well, because that doesn't have anything to do with it. There's nothing to do with it. One of the great interviews that Jake Paul ever did was very early in his boxing career when he said, bring me a worthy opponent. Now that sounded like he was being like every other weirdo out there. I'm the greatest thing, worthy opponent. But no, he qualified that. He finished the thought. After he said the worthy opponent, he said, not a top guy in the world. I'm not a top guy in the world. Bring me somebody who's willing to work hard, who's tough, who's durable, who wants an opportunity and wants to get their name out there. I'll never forget when he said that because it changed everything. It changed everything. And it showed that he has an understanding. It shows that he has a love of the sport. It showed that he's not looking to come out and take all the thunder from everybody else. He's looking to go out there in a sport that he's... Willing to sacrifice and has prepared for. And he wants a worthy opponent. I loved it. But he got away from that for a little bit. I'm going way back. This was right on early in the experiment. He's now talking about a guy who just got beat by Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul is a mega fight. For sure it is. It would just have a ton of interest. I personally believe that Anderson is being saved for Logan Paul. So for Jake to not come in and try to take something that his brother wants, cool move, and Chavez Jr. does check for sure the box of a legitimate boxer. He's a very legitimate boxer. And that's the only word that needs to be paid attention to here. It does not mean to be the best boxer, the GOAT boxer, the champion boxer. It needs to be a legitimate boxer as much as Jake believes in himself, he's also very aware of himself. He's very aware that I think I can do this. Let me keep taking little steps in that direction. And the first little step he took was a monumental step at the time, which was to put the gloves on and step in there in front of the world. That did not matter who the opponent was. He had to overcome that, and very few people do. I was 28 years old when I met my first boxer. I was a professional fighter. I lived at the Olympic Training Center that had a boxing program. I was 28 when I met a guy who had been in the ring and actually boxed with somebody else, 28 years old. I was in boxing training and had been since 19. I still hadn't met a guy that actually stepped in there and did that. Had a whole bunch of guys that were like me that were willing to, that wanted to, that were curious to, never knew how to get the opportunity. And we had a whole bunch of coaches who never did it in the first place, but they were damn good with the mitts. They were good with the showing up on time. They were good with the stretch, but they hadn't actually done it. It's a rare thing. I think most of you guys can relate. Most of you have never met a boxer. If I was to challenge you a step further and a step easier to say, hey, I want you to go to boxing practice today. Most of you would not know where a gym is to show up to or what time it was. If I was to go even a step further, make it real easy and say, Hey, I I want you to go get boxing equipment. You don't have to do anything. Just get it, show it to me, and you need to have it within the next five hours. You would not know where to go to get a fitted mouthpiece, to get a cup, to get the shoes, and to get the gloves. You wouldn't even know where to do it. So when I tell you there was a big deal that Jake took all those steps and all of a sudden he's in there in front of the world... It doesn't matter who his opponent was. That was a huge step. After he has success and everybody tries to take it from him, okay, he needs to get in there with a fellow athlete, a fellow competitor, a fellow combat guy. He goes out there and does it. Successfully. Then he takes a huge leap, which he had absolutely no business doing, getting in there with a former world champion. So when you look at these gains and you don't want to give Paul credit, you're just being a little bit of a jerk. And Paul now needs one thing, which is a real a legitimate boxer. Chavez is most definitely that. And I respect to the fact that Paul is not trying to fast track his career over his skis. The steps and the gains that he has already taken are monumental. But at some point, you got to slow that just a little bit. And Chavez Jr. will represent a lot. I would imagine Chavez Jr. would beat him. I would imagine Chavez Jr. will beat him easily and win every single round. But it is Jake Paul who has something special. And he has manipulated the rules with the rounds, with the time. He has done some stuff to favor him, and he admits to it. It appears that he was larger than Tyron Woodley. I know that they weighed in, but I haven't seen it, and I've talked to many people that say how much bigger he was than Ty Wood, even though uh, Tyron Woodley, even though they weighed in. Nobody seems to know what that scale said for whatever weird reason. It's like one of these things that nobody knows what the discrepancy was, but he looked bigger. Okay, fine. But he's admitting it. Hey, I'm brand new at this. You've been doing this for a long time. I got a lot to risk. I'm going to bring a lot to the table. Spot me a little something here or there. I like all of those things because I get them and they're honest. Even when his brother went after Floyd. Floyd being the greatest boxer to ever live, but his brother's got about 40 pounds on him. Change the rounds, change the minutes, does have to be out there full the dur- uh, full duration. He got what's called a spot. Floyd spotted him some stuff, but you have to do that. There's nothing unsportsmanlike about that. You disclose it to the audience, you do it right up front. The greatest thing that Jake Paul ever does is when Jake Paul tells the truth. And I'm adding to what he said when he said that he was going after Cesar Chavez. He didn't say I'm going after a guy that's coming off a loss. He didn't say I'm going after a legitimate boxer. But it is what he's doing, and he's right to do it, and the deck is still stacked against him. He's had four matches. Of those four, three of them were fights. He had four matches. Three fights. But he won them all. And he's getting better. And now we're seeing that he also comes with a natural power. Jake Paul has a power that you can't develop in the gym. You can work on it. You can work on setups to get you to the position so you can land it, but you're born with that. He got a gift. But we didn't know that. So things are starting to change. I love the idea of Chavez. I don't know if you guys will. But we're at least a step in the right direction by offering another name. The will fight won't happen, but it can't happen. It, that doesn't make any level of sense, and it would not satisfy the one thing that Jake apparently needs right now because he does listen to the negative talk, which is a legitimate boxer. It just doesn't satisfy that. This absolutely does. And this fight is going to drive the haters insane because all they want to do is be let off their chain so they can come and attack him, but you can't do it if you're in there with a second-generation guy, which is much experience as Chavez Jr., Jake's call-out works. You guys decide if you like it. Now, that decision will be made if you believe Chavez can beat him. Because, again, we're coming in from the negative side. Whether you've admitted that or know that about yourself or not. And I think a lot of people are going to think that Chavez should beat him. Chavez damn sure should beat him. He better be able to beat him. But I can't go any further than that. I cannot go any further than he should beat him. He ought to be better than him. I can't go further. I can't say he's going to beat him. Four other guys have tried. Spread all over the spectrum. From basketball to wrestling to the UFC. Four up, four down. Who's next for Jake Paul? I hope, as of now, it's Chavez Jr. On Wednesday's show, I talked to you about Derek Lewis and his fight with Tai Tiavasa. Now Derek is talking about fighting another big name in the heavyweight division. After that, and I want to bring it to you. Derek Lewis made a comment. He was doing some media talking about the Houston show and his big fight coming up with Tiavasa. And he just drops a nugget. He says, yeah, when I'm done, I want to take on Stepe Miocic. Yeah, I guess they got a fight, right? I mean, if you really take a look, Derek's comment that he needs to fight Steve Miocic, you have to understand there is no other division quite like this at heavyweight right now in 2022. Everything's treated the same. You got a full roster of guys. Some unknown person in some unknown date in some unknown room puts out a ranking system. Then you got the top ten guys. Then you guys got the guys that matter, which are the top five guys. Heavyweight has four guys and they are drastically heads and shoulders above the field. I thought that that would work itself out in 2021. If you would have wanted me to predict, things change very quick, you got musical chairs, somebody's going to slip in there. The talent happens to be there right now. The future of heavyweight fighting is within the organization, and they're signed right now. They weren't quite mature enough. They weren't quite experienced enough. They weren't quite savvy enough. Whatever... That formula was nobody has broken into the top four. Of course I'm talking about champion Surreal Gunn. Of course I'm talking about champion Francis Ngano. Of course I'm talking about uh, light heavyweight champion who never lost the belt in John Jones, rumored to be moving up. And then you've got Derek Lewis. You have Stepe Miocić. This is it. And John's very tough to put in that category only because he hasn't done it yet. So if you put John in, you got five guys. If you don't, you got Surreal, you got Francis, you got Derek, you got Stipe. Now, what's the relevance? Well, Stipe and uh, Stipe and the and the Beast haven't got at it yet. There's not a whole lot of parody floating around. It's going to greatly matter, and I'm not willing to sign off yet. I'm very glad that somebody's calling out Stipe. I'm very glad that Derek Lewis is smart enough to know. The Tivasa fight doesn't put him right back where he wants to be, but it could put him in line for Stipe. Anybody gets by past Stipe, all of a sudden, you're back in the conversation. But it is these big four and possibly five with the introduction to John Jones. There's really nowhere else for Derek to go. And even if Derek started to go a little bit lower, I think that's what his last fight, with Dawkins would represent, and even the previous couple of fights before that with Curtis Blades. It seems as though the big four are just going to have to keep on doing this round robin rotation and maybe on a fifth we get a slip John in the mix. It just doesn't look like anything's different in heavyweight. That is the point that I feel I have successfully made to the point of redundancy. But let's take a little bit closer look. Would you predict that happened on one hand? Absolutely. Derek goes out in a feature fight. Derek gets a big win. Derek's already set the table for himself versus Stipe, which makes all of the sense in the world. Not so fast. Not so fast. Stipe Miocic is a number one contender any way you want to do it. Stipe Miocic, on the savvy part of getting the mandate of the masses and making sure people are behind him and behind the message that he is the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. He's one and one with the current champion, and he has every right to go back in there and try to get back what was once his. That is going to work, and that is going to hold up. Nobody is going to be able to pierce that veil of facts. But Stipe hasn't said it once. Not one single time. It's just not the way he's wired. He's not. He's a gentleman, and he's a sportsman, and he finds that rude. And he doesn't think politics should have to be on his side. He feels that his resume is the only thing that he needs. He should be right. But he's not. Now the reason I bring Stipe into this is Stipe could step in for a world title fight. Absolutely. Particularly if Surreal was to win. It works with Engano because you're going into a trilogy fight. Particularly with Surreal. Because now you're not doing a rematch. Now Surreal is really proving himself. There's a lot of things that work and make a level of sense. What do we do with John Jones, which is the wild card? I believe John, when he says he's planning to fight the winner of Engano and Surreal, which means Stipe's left again without a dance partner, and that's where you could insert Derek Lewis. You bet you could. Or if Francis wins, John goes off with Francis, Surreal is going to need something to do. And I think the only fight that could be bigger for Stipe right now, I'm taking out championship fights. Championship fight trumps everything. I'm taking that out because it looks like John has the magic wand to wave over this to take that spot himself. Derek versus Stepe, Yes, please, I'm in. I'm not willing to say that's a fight that's going to happen. If Surreal comes up short, Surreal versus Stepe, while John goes and does business with Francis, I think might be a better and stronger direction. But we're not going to get anything from Surreal, and now we've already got Derek speaking up, and is probably, to some degree, happy to have somebody have called his name. And when I tell you that Surreal's not likely to speak up here, let me just, let me just give you an example. So Surreal versus Francis, and what I believe is going to be the biggest heavyweight fight of all time, I believe that will break any number in terms of pay-per-view gate sell out faster, any way that you want to do it, I believe there's no other heavyweight fight in all of history that can trump Surreal versus Francis. Now, did you hear? This fight's been signed for a period of time. And from from the beginning of this fight being signed, and then even right now, just earlier today, I'll fill you guys in, but all the way leading up to the fight, do you want to know what the most interesting and compelling thing that Surreal said to garner our attention for this fight? Surreal said, and I quote, But did you hear what Francis said? Did you hear what Francis said to help to add to the magnitude of this huge contest? Francis said, and I quote, Do you see the problem? So even though I think that I am right in telling you, you would rather see, and more magnitude could be put on a match of, Surreal versus Stipe. I think I'm right in telling you that. But if nobody's going to help, what are we doing here? What are we we doing it for? Our own selfish needs? That'll only get us so far. Don't we generally want to see a horse that we like and then we go out and back it? So for right now, Derek Lewis has the only idea in the room, which makes it by default the best idea in the room. I like that Derek's looking ahead. I also can't remember a time where Derek has ever done this. I mean, maybe we need to spend a little bit of focus on that. I can't remember a time that Derek Lewis has ever taken his eye off the ball. There is some level of confidence that he has coming into the Tiavasa fight where he, ahead of time, isn't even talking about Tiavasa. He's talking about what he's going to do after Tiavasa. Should we be concerned about that or should we respect it and listen to him? Because a lot of times, Derek Lewis is right. He told us what he was going to do in his last fight and he told us in the one before that that he had a lot of pressure on him and he didn't love the matchup. He's pretty damn good ahead of time of knowing what's going to happen. So, what should we make of Derek's call out pre facto? When he's already signed to fight Tivasso, what should we make out of Derek's call out of Stipe Miocic? And what do you guys want to bet that Stipe does or does not respond? To close out today's show, let's turn our attention to tomorrow night and the marquee matchup that's going down in the featherweight division. My official prediction for Giga versus Cater. Guys, hear me out on this. I'm taking Giga. I'll get right to the point. I won't bury the lead. But hear me out on this. I think Cater's a better fighter. I think Giga is more mentally tough. I think Cater can push equally as hard as Giga. Don't forget it's a five-round contest. Now, it is very hard to imagine, and will you guys agree with me here, it's very hard to imagine that either one of these guys gets finished. We've just seen both of these guys walk through fire too many times. We have seen these guys standing on broken glass and never slip too many times to believe that they could be finished. However, isn't it even harder to believe that either one of these guys can take the punishment that they're going to be given for a full 25 minutes? I mean, Cater is a volume machine. Cater is as close, volume-wise, to Max Holloway, without being Max Holloway, that you're going to find. Giga's mean. Everything, Giga Giga, will punch you in the mouth and hope your foot breaks. Like Everything he does is designed to damage his opponent, and Giga likes to be there. So I'm talking about a mental edge to Giga. I can't prove that. You can't prove, I will just tell you, I believe. And I believe this about Giga because of his willingness. Giga is, I've been trying to tell you guys about him because I didn't want you to miss him. And you know what? Good for me. He came through the Contender Series. He pops into the UFC. You don't hear a whole bunch about Giga unless you're kind of behind the curtains. Then you're fine about this guy that's trying to get short-notice fights. There was one time where Giga read on the internet that there was an opportunity at 145 pounds. He got in his car from California. He made one phone call. It didn't get answered. He left a voicemail and drove... To Las Vegas. By the way, on weight. So Giga's not some huge guy, but it also speaks to the discipline that he has. And it speaks to his willingness, right? That inner burning fire to go out there and compete. Look, that's a mentally tough son of a bitch. There is no way around it. Giga wants, the the, the harder the match, the more interest he's going to have. He's one of these knuckleheads. If he could do two guys in one night, he's in. And a lot of guys say that, but very few of them really mean it. Giga would go and do it. And then I hear about these training stories from Geek. I mean, his teammates are his biggest fans. His teammate they say he lives at the gym. They call him that behind his back. They call him Mr. Uh, Jim because he's always there. So he's looking for opportunities, and the squeaky wheel gets to grease a lot. We in this sport will always take you at your word. If we think you're great and you say you're not ready, we will believe you. If we think you're pretty good, but you say you're the greatest, we will give you those opportunities. We absolutely will listen. So Giga did everything right, and I wanted to be part of that. I identified this guy. found this guy early. I thought his name was kind of cool. Then we, we had similar teammates. I wanted to be part of that, but now he's a main event fighter. So I'm inserting myself. Maybe, maybe I helped along the way. But I did and I only wanted to do one thing, which is just to bring it to you guys because I know you love guys like that. I know you love guys that are true competitors. They don't need a big carrot dangled in front of them. They don't go sign a contract and they want to talk about the contract that's already signed. They have honor. They do what they say they're going to do. These are the guys we liked, and that's why early on I wanted to bring you the story of Giga, but here he is in his second main event, taking on Cater. Now, why do I say that Cater's a better fighter than Giga? Well, it largely has to do with that magic wand that gets waved over you at birth, that is just the luck of the draw called DNA. Cater is a fantastic athlete. Cater has not only looked good, he's looked great. In every single fight he's ever had, except the Max Holloway fight. But there was great things about that contest. I mean, Cater found himself over his head. Cater is lightning fast. So when it turned out that Max was even faster than Cater, it was a surprise. Cater has a huge output. He is throwing stuff at the wall nonstop. When Max came out and had more of an output than Cater, the light shined very fondly on Max. I strongly disagree that a light dimmed on Cater. We saw the difference between those two, which is why we did the fight in the first place. But you want to talk about heart, you want to talk about courage, you want to talk about a guy that in that fight, it's not not what he wanted to show, that he could take a lot of punishment, but he did show that he could take a lot of punishment. That's why Cater returns to a main event spot. He belongs there. He is a top five guy in the world. So you have this athleticism of Cater, taking on this mental will of Giga. Now, not for nothing, and please don't mishear me, it's not to say that Giga doesn't know the moves himself. Giga's very well-rounded. Giga's a little better with the kicks, and he's also a little bit better with the tricks. Being dynamic in fighting can be very helpful when you're in a game trying to keep your opponent guessing. Cater brings incredible athleticism, he's got some reach and he knows how to use it, he's got some slips and some feints and some setups, and he's got some pretty good power. But when you're being dynamic, you're making the guy guess, and there's not a whole lot about Cater that you have to guess. You can walk into any gym, go find five workout partners, they're all going to look a little bit like Cater. It might not quite have that speed and that length, but it's going to be right hands, it's going to be left hands, it's going to be body shots, they're going to come upstairs, they'll slip in just enough wrestling. There's guys that can go out and do that. I don't know that you could say that about Giga. Giga's style is, again, dynamic. And it's very relevant, because this is a game of guessing. And it's very hard for the audience to see. And I do not attempt to condescend to you guys, but it is one of those things where if you do the sport it's one of the instruments that you will be familiar with as opposed to if you only watch the sport. That's just called the setup. I remember on Anderson Silva, people were saying what a great striker he was. And he he was definitely very special. But I thought if you were going to put great into only one category for Anderson, I thought he was a great setup guy. Anderson would turn you to stone. Clayton Hires used to talk to me about this. Said he was the Medusa. Anderson would get out there doing some movements that some people said was him being cocky or being arrogant. It wasn't meant to be at all. It was just meant as a distraction, but the distractions worked. Anderson would start moving around in certain ways that you've never seen before and you freeze and look at him, even for a millisecond. Boom, lights out. I thought Anderson was a great setup guy. But what that has to do, you're talking about flinching, you're talking about faintings, you're talking about getting a reaction. You're talking about spooking spooking your opponent. Ah. Uh, maybe just for a millisecond, boom, boom, so you can get a couple of shots off. I feel that the guy who's more dynamic does a better job with that. I think that leans toward Giga. Guys, we are splitting hairs here. I don't know if I've ever given you an analysis where I've had to touch on so many intangibles. Generally, it'd be, well, if this guy can get inside, if this guy can keep it outside, if he could get to the clinch and get him to the ground, it's not like that. Neither one of these guys has a wrestling advantage over their opponent to the extent that this could turn in to five rounds of ground and pound. Absolutely not. They are likely to hit the floor. Both of them are likely to be on bottom at some point. Both of them are likely to be in the top position at some point. I think you've got a stand-up fight here. I'll go ahead and predict that for you. And even when we do see that groundwork, and we will see it, neither one of them has a discrepancy within their wrestling skills to put the other one there repeatedly or for all night long. So this is going to be a mess. This is going to be absolute chaos. This is one where the judges are going to need to be absolutely locked and focused in. Should we see it go 25 minutes? You're talking about a fight of the year candidate. Very hard to close your eyes and imagine this thing being anything other than chaotic and interesting and high-paced. But you do need to have a winner, and I don't think the stakes could ever be any higher. This fight is being looked at for the winner to come into the discussion of number one contendership. Whoever wins this fight, particularly if it's Giga, maybe more so if it's Giga in fairness, will be one fight away from fighting for a championship. Now, if you're one fight away from fighting for a championship, that means you can fight for it today. If you were in that short list and you're in the talk and you're in that conversation and don't forget what's going on at 145. Max is out. Volkanovski needs an opponent. So Hudo has offered, hasn't been accepted. The zombie has offered, has not been accepted. I think. The organization is taking a good look at this match right now. And that probably would be a little bit stronger for Giga. Probably. Just because Cater ran into Max, I, I don't want that to work against him, but I know a lot of times it does. A lot of times we get that recency bias on what happened in the short term. I think it's being looked at. And there's no way that you can say it ahead of time. Because if, if this is the war that I think it's going to be, all of a sudden that gets delayed. If this goes out and somebody does something and you're out of there in 20 seconds, you're out of there in three minutes, it is very possible that this will be the one that draws in to Volkanovsky. Now, I'm stating the obvious. We all know that. We're all looking at that. But I think that it is important that we at least identify it because there's a big conversation going right now. How good are Cejudo's chances? How good are Zombie's chances? Is it really just down to Zombie and Cejudo? I'm submitting for you. No, I don't think it is. Now there's plenty of things that have to happen, but that's the case in the sport all the time. You always have unknowns, you always have unforeseens, but if you take your oars out of the water, you sit back and you watch before you make a decision, this fight quite possibly, I'm taking Giga in it, that is my answer, I'm putting the hex on Giga, this fight is quite possibly for a number one contendership spot. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you liked it, do me a favor. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe to my YouTube channel. And while you're there, leave me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and I promise I'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Shale Sonnen, and you are welcome.